means is kind of tucked away in the New Testament and sometimes a little hard to find. The first Sunday I was back from sabbatical, Dick Stone did a children's sermon. And in that children's sermon, I sometimes think folks get more from that than they get from mine. But uh, anyway, he talked about Bambi. And he said Bambi was one of his favorite stories. <clears throat> and the favorite character in Bambi for him was Thumper. Thumper's a rabbit. And the reason that Thumper was his favorite character is because of a truth that Thumper had. And he expressed it by saying, Thumper expressed it, if you can't say something good, don't say anything at all. And somehow when Dick Stone said that, I knew that one day I would preach this sermon. And this morning, I want to join Thumper, and I want to talk about what we say. The Bible talks about what we say in the moral law. Now, the moral law is the unchangeable law. There are two laws in the Old Testament. There is the ceremonial law, which changes. It has to do with eating certain things, and when Jesus said, it's not what goes in a man, but what comes out of him that really matters, there were some changes that were made in that law, in certain principles of that law. But the moral law does not change, and it's stated basically in the Ten Commandments, and one of them has to do with what we say. It says, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Now, false witness can be lethal. We see this again and again in society, and it seems like we're seeing it more than we ever have. My wife is a part-time tour director with Christian Tours out of Newton, North Carolina. And recently on one of her tours, she had a high school principal and his wife. She said they were one of the loveliest couples she had ever met in her life. They loved each other deeply. He had done many good things with his, with his life. But they were completely devastated because a therapist convinced his emotionally ill daughter that her father had molested her. It was not true, but he had suffered all kinds of indignities because of that. In Napa, California, a jury awarded a man $500,000 because they ruled that a family counselor and a psychiatrist had falsely planted the idea of rape in the mind of his adult, his adult daughter. And although it was proven to be false, as well as you can prove it, you see, once you say something like that, it's very hard to unsay it. And even though it was finally judged not to be true, it was a little late because that man had lost his wife and most of his family and his job because of that. Now, recently, we've seen the media blitz about O.J. Simpson. I could not believe what they did with that. 
Now, I don't think it's still been determined whether or not he is guilty. Now, I haven't seen it in a couple of days, and it may have, but if, if, if he is, so be it. But if he's not, that man will not be remembered for what he did on the gridiron. He'll be remembered the rest of his life because of this. Now, some people say, well, where there's smoke, there's fire. And it may be, unless the smoke is fabricated. And what gets me with the press? They don't wait to see. Yesterday, in yesterday's paper, there was a piece from Detroit off the wire service about a professional basketball star, and this woman claimed that he had sexually assaulted her, and the paper gave all the lurid details. He denied it. He said the truth will come out. But if it doesn't, his reputation is tarnished, and it could affect his marriage permanently. Charges without proof are gossip, and the Bible condemns that. Even the dictionary talks bad about it. The dictionary definition of a gossip is this. A gossip is a person who habitually retails facts, rumors, or behind-the-scenes information of an intimate, personal, or sensational nature. Another person has called it the art of confessing somebody else's sin. George Meredith said, a gossip is a beast of prey who doesn't wait for the death of his victim, he devours. Shakespeare even wrote about gossip, and this is what he said. He said, a good name in man and woman is the immediate jewel of their souls. Who steals my purse steals trash. Tis something, nothing, twas mine, tis his, but he that filches from me my good name robs me of that which not enriches him and makes me poor indeed. Now, there's a place in the Bible that talks about this, and it's the book of James. Most reputable scholars believe it was written by the half-brother of Jesus who became the head of the Jerusalem church, and it talks about this. Let's open to our text this morning in chapter 3, Verse 1 of James, uh, page uh, 845 in the Pew Bible. <clears throat> James writes, Let not many of you become teachers, my brethren, knowing that as such we shall incur a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many ways if anyone does not stumble in what he says. He is a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body as well. Now, if we put bits into the horse's mouth so that they may obey us, we direct their entire body as well. Behold, the ships also, though they are so great, are driven by strong winds, are still directed by a very small rudder, wherever the inclination of the pilot desires. So also is the tongue, 
It is a small part of the body, yet it boasts of great things. Behold how great a forest is set aflame by such a small fire. Now he addresses teachers because they were of first-rate importance in the early church. In Paul's list of those who hold great gifts within the church, teachers only come second to apostles and prophets. And you see, the apostles and the prophets didn't stay in the church. They were on the move. It's kind of like somebody said about evangelists one time. They said the evangelist blows in. While he's there, he blows out. And when he leaves, everything blows up. Well, sometimes that's true. And teachers are sort of like that. I mean, uh, prophets and apostles are like that. But teachers stay within a congregation and have to deal with that congregation. Therefore, Paul wrote about them because they had an awe-inspiring responsibility and how they used their tongue was extremely important. And still today, the correct use of the tongue is an awe-inspiring responsibility. And when you get in the place of leadership, it increases. Next Sunday, I'm going to have somebody help me with my sermon. I'll just say that uh, with you. you might, that might encourage you. You might come. Maybe you think I need help. But anyway, in preparing for that message, I've been listening to a tape by a teacher named Jim Glasgow. And he is talking about the deterioration of our society and the factors that began, began in 1968 with the removal of prayer from the public school. He's made a study of this, and what he says is very significant. I'm going to talk more about it next week. Now, you may or be for or not for prayer in the public school, but it is an undeniable fact that since they took it out, disaster has resulted in almost every segment of our society. You see, it used to be that the values and customs of the church were the same as the values and cultures of society. But it's a new day, and that's not true anymore. And little by little, since 1968, really, and increasing in the last 30 years, the world has become more and more secular and more and more separated from the church. And Dr. Glaslow says that ironically, one of the major things that helped it was the scandal of the TV evangelist in recent years and said because of that bad press, many ministries were maligned, and some of their, them destroyed. Now, maybe some of it was just, but a lot of it was rumor. And whether just or not, the church of Jesus Christ began to slip in the estimation of a large majority of the populace. Now, whether you're a TV evangelist or a teacher or just a Christian, 
In chapter 3, verse 2, James says, If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body as well. Of all the parts of your physical body, realize there's only one part so troublesome that God wrote two commandments against it. What part is that? It's not your hands. It's not your eyes. It's not even your sexuality. It's your tongue. And there are two commandments about the tongue. Number one, thou shall not take God's name in vain. You do that with your tongue. Number two, thou shall not bear false witness against thy neighbor. And in verse three and four, Peter likened it to a, a, a horse bridle and a ship's rudder. The bridle con controls the whole horse. The rudder controls the whole ship. And the tongue controls the whole body. Now let's look again at the text, beginning within verse, in verse 6. I said Peter, I'm sorry, I meant James. Chapter 3, verse 6, James writes, And the tongue is a fire, the very world of iniquity. The tongue is set among our members as that which defiles the entire body and sets on fire the course of our, our life and is set on fire by hell. For every species of beast and birds, of reptiles and creatures of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by the human race, but no one can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil and full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come both blessings and cursings, my brethren. These things ought not to be. James says the tongue is a fire. It's a world of iniquity. It defiles the entire body. It sets the course of our life on fire. It's set on fire by hell. He says all else can be tamed, but not the tongue. He says it's a restless evil full of deadly poison. He says with the same mouth, you can worship God, and with the same mouth, you can leave the church and go out and tear up your neighbor with your tongue. And he says this ought not to be. But you see, it's the respectable sin. And the danger is that people do this because we love a little bit of dirt, don't we? And the sad thing is that most people's lives are so drab and so mundane, and they don't have anything to talk to anybody about unless they're sick and they can talk about their ailments. But if they don't have that, then if they can find something exciting, particularly about a leader, whether it be political or the clergy. They're real quick to do it. And James says you better watch it because that's not the way that God wants you to use your tongue. Let's read verse 11 and 12. He says, does a fountain send out from the same opening both fresh and bitter water? Can a fig tree, my brethren, produce olives, or a vine produce figs? 
Neither can salt water produce fresh. And if that salt is pouring out, not in the good sense, but in the bad sense, and it's causing everything about somebody to appear to be sour, then it's very hard for a person who hears you do that to take it seriously when your tongue tries to talk about the fresh things from the Lord. Now, the Bible gives another direction about the use of the tongue. Jesus warned that people would give account for every word that they speak. Just like if you say, I have a fear of heights, you are fortifying that. If you say, well, things are so bad, they're just going to get worse. You are fortifying that. If you say, I can't, more than you say, I can, then you'll find that you can't more than you can. And many times it's your fault because you haven't controlled your tongue. Jesus said, by thy words thou shalt be justified, and by thy words thou shalt be condemned. In Proverbs 15 we read, A wholesome tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness therein is a breach of the Spirit. And what you say with your tongue says it to your mind, says it to your heart, and it can breach the Spirit. It can come in conflict with what the Spirit of God is trying to say to you. Now, James goes deeper than what people say, and I'm glad he does. And he says in the last part of this that one reason it is so detrimental is because when this stuff flows out of the tongue, it shows you what's in the heart. Now, let's, uh, well, for instance, in Proverbs 23, 7, it says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. Now, many teachers take that out of context, and they wax eloquently on, well, if you just think it enough, you can do it. Unfortunately, that's taking that verse out of context. That verse in Proverbs was talking about a man that invites you to dinner, and he really doesn't want you there. But in order to save his conscience or maybe impress you or maybe impress somebody else, he invites you there and he urges you to eat, but he really doesn't mean it. And so the writer of Proverbs says, beware of his hospitality because as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. And often what comes out of the mouth indicates what's in the heart. A number of years ago, two 747s collided in the Canary Islands, and many people were killed. It was a huge crash with fire, but one Christian escaped, and he went around the country, and he spoke at different meetings. And one thing he said was that he was amazed when that happened. He was in the cabin of that airplane. And he saw people literally being burned alive. 
And as they were in the process of death, the vilest profanity and vulgarity and cursing came out of their mouth. Because what is inside of you, how about when you wake up in the middle of the night and you hit your shin on the side of the bed, how righteous are you? Huh? What comes out? Now pay attention to that. And this man said that he was so glad that when he thought he was going to die, that the first word out of his mouth, and he didn't take credit for it. He said it just came. He said the first thing I said, Lord Jesus, Lord Jesus, just protect me. So what's in your heart will come out of your mouth. And let's read James 3, verse 13 through 17. Who among you is wise and understanding? Let him show by his good behavior his deeds in the gentleness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy, realize that's what causes a lot of gossip. Because some, so many people are disappointed in what they are and what they've become. If they can malign somebody who's made it, it sometimes makes them feel a little better. And that's a sick way to get better. But if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your heart, do not be arrogant and so lie against the truth. There have been people who told falsehoods so they could advance in their company. And so that somebody who was going to get their place would not advance. It's because of bitter jealousy and selfish ambition. This wisdom, James says, is not that which comes down from above, but is earthly, natural, demonic, for where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there is disorder and every evil thing. Then note the contrast. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, unwavering and without hypocrisy. He talks about what we sow, that we reap with our tongues. And then he ends this whole portion of Scripture with the last verse. And the seed whose fruit is righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. What do you make as you go about in this society? What are you making? Are you encouraging people? Are you building people up? Is the world better off because of your tongue? Or have you slipped into that habit of talking more negatively than positively? And what do you say about yourself? Do you talk more positively about yourself? Or do you talk more negatively about yourself. Believe it or not, it has something to do 
with what you are. There is a couple in our body. You know, I've told you many times before, I do not think I'm the most spiritual person in this body. I really don't. We have elders and members in this body and deacons in this body that I stand in awe of. I'm just frank about that. And one couple that I stand in awe of is going through a, a deep crisis in their family. But they don't talk about it. They ask for prayer, but they're very selective in who they ask for prayer. And they don't run around. And they don't spew it out on everybody. And I've even heard them criticized because people say, well, elder, you know, talk some about it. They realize that. But they also realize that they have to control how they feel. And if they begin to verbalize the negativism, then it's going to be much harder for God to do what he's going to do. Now, maybe you have an errant child. And maybe that child has done some things that have broken your heart and things that are wrong. But be very cautious in reading them out and reading them the right act and acting like you never did anything wrong. And instead, try to give them counsel, but at the same time, lift them up, because you can make matters far worse with your tongue. You know, James says that you can be agents of peace if you have the wisdom from above. Or you can be agents of turmoil if you have the wisdom which is earthly and natural and demonic, and that turmoil can kill people. Literally, I learned that early in my life. I grew up in Alabama. I went to a small high school. And in that high school, there was a cheerleader, and she was about the best-looking girl I ever saw in my life. And she was smart. She had a terrific personality. She just had it all. But some folks were jealous of that. And so a rumor was started. And the rumor said that she was expecting a baby by one of the star football players. And of course, people wanted to believe that particularly some of the girls that may not feel they were as pretty or had as much as she did and went all the way around the school. She quit coming to school. She would not even come out of the house. She would stay in her room. And then one Wednesday afternoon, she did not come down for the evening meal. And her mother called her and there was no answer. And her mother went up the steps to the door and knocked on it and there was no answer. And she found the door locked, which was very unusual. And so she called her husband. He came home and they broke down the door. And they found their daughter. 
She was dead. She had hung herself. Afterward, there was an autopsy. And they found out not only was the rumor not true, but physically it was impossible that the rumor could have been true. In Philippians, Paul writes, Whatsoever things are true, honest, just, pure, lovely, of good report, if there is any virtue or if there is any praise, think on these things, because these whatsoevers point people to the light. But gossip casts a shadow and points the world to darkness. Might be good for you to go to the video store and rent Bambi and listen to Thumper because he really has some truth. Father, probably all of us feel that instead of being agents of light, many times we've been agents of darkness. And so, Father, we ask your forgiveness. And we pray, Father, that you would take hold of our tongue, whether naturally or supernaturally. And whether it's just to clean up our mouth and clean up our mind, or whether it is to cause us to speak in a supernatural language, whatever it is, Lord, that you would take hold of our tongue and use it for your glory. And so, Father, we commit that to you along with the rest of our bodies today and pray, Lord, that we might be agents of light and that our insecurities and our jealousies and our selfish ambitions never cause us to rejoice when someone is fallen or contribute to that fall with a loose tongue. And we pray in the name of Jesus.